Dear God in heaven, we thank you for a new day. Thank you because you have a thousand ways of meeting our needs. These ways are so mighty and mysterious and timely. For just when we need you, God, you always come to our rescue. Thank you for a peaceful night rest. We pray that you give us understanding of your word and help us to number our days and apply our hearts unto salvation. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. This is still training for impact and we are available on multiple podcast streams on Audiomark, on Spotify, on Anchor, uh, on Google and so many other platforms. We encourage you to stay connected. We encourage you to listen to this podcast, especially to this um, theme on the book of Daniel with your Bible studies, with your study materials. And we have some of them as we share periodically on our TFI community on WhatsApp. We encourage you to get connected, engage us with your questions. We would love to hear feedbacks and lessons that you have been learning thus far. We are almost at the end of the book of Daniel. And today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 11. Yesterday we saw Daniel chapter 10, the spiritual battle between the angel Gabriel and the prince of Pesha and the, you know, coming of the Michael the Great who stands for God's people and brought about deliverance for Gabriel. And today we are going to be looking at the vision of the Great War, the war that happened or that was predicted by the Bible to occur for a number of generations. When you study the book of Daniel, especially Daniel 11, you realize that uh, the issues that are there are sometimes dry and very difficult to understand for the average Bible student. And the reasons are in, is that Daniel chapter 11 does not find much parallels in the Old Testament or in the New Testament because much of the periods uh, of Daniel 11 in history are covered that were covered in Daniel 11 were within the intertestamental period that's the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament and we don't have much of that in the Bible itself except we find some of this in some of all some some records in pseudographers and other extra biblical writings hence it takes a substantial knowledge of history of the intertestamental period to be able to understand and interpret most of the issues that are raised in Daniel chapter 11. However, when we follow the pattern that we have been using thus far in looking at Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, and Daniel 9, it becomes easier for us to understand this part. Now, observe in Daniel chapter 11 verse 2 that two great world empires were mentioned directly by name and that those were Pesha and Greece. So we see that in Daniel chapter 11, the, the prophecy of these kings that will be fighting a lot of wars starts with Pesha and no longer Babylon and Greece was also mentioned. And then you also notice that in verse 3 and verse 4 that the description of the prominent king of Greece well fits Alexander the Great 
and notice that it was mentioned that Alexander's kingdom will be broken up into four and divided among his generals. It is the same theme that we saw in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8, talking about uh, the notable horn that breaks into four. And the same, it fits. So we see that indeed there is a biblical correlation between Daniel 7, Daniel 8, and now Daniel 11, showing that, okay, from Pisha, then to Greece, and as we know it, to Rome. The subsequent events in the rest of Daniel 11 largely refers, refers to the geopolitical and military intrigues that ensued following the breakup of the Greek Empire, which ushered in the Roman Empire under the emperors, translating to Rome under the Pope and continuing until the second coming of Christ when Michael will stand up to protect his people. That's um, Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. So the prophecy of Daniel 11 uh, somehow reaches its climax in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. And um, let's do a little recap as we've been doing. In Daniel 2, we saw the head of gold, which we know to be Babylon. And in Daniel 7, it was described as a lion-like beast. In Daniel 8, it was no longer described. And also in Daniel 11, it was not mentioned. And then we see um, the chest and arms of silver in Daniel 2. In Daniel 7, it was a bear-like beast. In Daniel 8, it was a ram with two horns. And in Daniel 11, it was predominantly the Persian Empire when you read verse 2 signifying the Medes and the patients. Then we see in Daniel 2, the belly and thighs of bronze. The leopard, in Daniel 7, it was a leopard-like beast. In Daniel 8, it was a he-goat with one horn that finally broke off when you read Daniel 8, verse 5 and 21. And then in Daniel 11, it was mentioned that this kingdom is the Grecian Empire, Greece. Uh, first of all, led by Alexander the Great, and finally um, he died. So that's Greece. And then we see in Daniel 2, the legs of iron. Daniel 7, it was called the terrible beast. In Daniel 8, it was not mentioned per se, but in Daniel 11, it was said to be the ships from Shittim, describing the Roman Empire, the Imperial Rome under the emperors. And then the feats of and toes of iron and clay Daniel 2 was described as the 10 horns and then the prominent little horn in Daniel 7 and then in Daniel 8 it was called the little horn and in Daniel 11 it was also called the little horn the king of intrigues and we know that to be the papal Rome under the popes and then finally in Daniel 2 we see the stone kingdom in Daniel 7 it was the kingdom of the saints in Daniel 8 the little horn was destroyed not by human hands in Daniel 11 the little horn comes to an end with no one to help him and we know that this means the kingdom of God okay according to Gabriel's interpretation in Daniel 11 verse 2 and 3 we see that three more kings will arise in Pesha before the last king that's the fourth king and patient history gives the three kings as we have the Cambyses, we have the smedes or the four smedes and then to the rule of dyros and note that daniel 11 starts where daniel 8 began with the rulership of the Medes and the patients and these three kings, Cambyses, the four Smedes, and Darius, were followed indeed, according to how the Bible has said it, by a fourth king named Xerxes, who ruled between 486 
to 465 BC. And having inherited a prosperous and stable empire, Xerxes will stir up his armies against the city-states of Greece. And you know, earlier than this, the Grecian kingdoms, states, or smaller cities were at war against one another. But when they sensed the serious threat from the Persians led by Xerxes, they united together to fight for their freedom and for their survival. It's quite very interesting. And you know, the Persians won at the first battle, but later on, the Grecian uh, Empire, as led by Alexander the Great, defeated the the Medes and the Persians, and that was what ushered in the rule of Alexander the Great, as we read in Daniel 11 verse 3 and 4. And indeed, that also fits the description, as we earlier mentioned, of Daniel 8 from verse 5 to 8. And we, we note some of these parallels where it says that just like the little horn, just like the notable horn rather, he will rule with great dominion and indeed Alexander ruled with great dominion but his rulership was brief and no wonder it says that at the peak of his reign he would die and his kingdom will not retain his power but will be divided among his four generals after the four points of the compass and indeed that was what happened the the kingdom of Alexander immediately after his death was divided into four. We have the Cassanders of the west, we have the Seleucus of the north, we have the Lysimachus of the east, and we have the Ptolemies of the south. Now, Seleucus um, ruled the north with Syria as his seat of power. Then Ptolemy ruled the south with Egypt as his own seat of power. And then Cassander ruled the west with Macedonia as his seat of power and finally we have Lysimachus who ruled the east covering the Mesopotamian region but later on the south that is the Egypt of the Ptolemies and the north that is Syria of the Seleucus will get stronger than the other remaining two than Cassandra and Lysimachus and they will attempt military and diplomatic alliance instead of but Instead of that working, you know, they tried, they even, just as the Bible said it, if you read Daniel 11 from verse 5 to 29, they tried so many ways. They tried diplomacy, it didn't work. They tried military, it didn't work. They even tried marital um, um, alliance, but it didn't work. It kept on breaking up into a series of war between the king of the north, that's Syria, and the king of the south, that's Egypt. And finally, he said that the strength of the south and the north somewhat eclipsed the east and the, the north, that is the Cassandra's regions and the Lesimachus region. And because of the struggle between the north and the between the north and the south, they were oblivious of the power that was gradually developing in the west and almost unnoticed until he struck them when you read Daniel 11 verse 30 and that was indeed a perfect description of what happened to the Grecian empires during the the rise of the roman empire when you read daniel 11 take a peculiar attention pay peculiar attention to verse 14 verse 23 and verse 30 and and flash back to daniel chapter 7 verse 8 where we see that rome was described as 
that little horn that started from little from nothingness like a small power but then grew up to it to become exceedingly great and became strong with a small number of persons when you read verse 23 you notice that gabriel was describing rome's rise against daniel's people in violent terms and he spoke of the, the despicable things that this roman power was going to do against the people of israel against the people of judah in fulfillment of the visions both in daniel 8 in daniel 9 and also in daniel 11 and we don't have to look very far in the new testament to find correlation we see some of the acts of rome by from the edit of emperor claudius against the jews in acts chapter 18 verse 1 to 4 we see what he did the roman empire did against jesus during his birth and also the role they played during his death and a lot of evil that the history records it's amazing once again how the bible is able to accurately predict all that would happen in history with such a hundred percent accuracy it gives us the confidence that god's word can be trusted it gives us the assurance that god amidst the chaos is in control of the affairs of men it's not that he wills for evil to continue but in all of the webs of life god preserves his own we see daniel 11 fulfilling to the very detail when we study history and my friend it gives us the assurance i repeat that god can be trusted it may seem like your life is in disarray is in chaos you don't understand what is going on i want you to trust your unknown future to a known god i want to encourage you to dare to pray and to worry less to think of god as the one who has gone ahead of you in time to prepare all things to work all things for your good only be sure that in this journey of life you are on the path of 